Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. I'm Margot Robbie, and I play Barbie. And I'm Ryan Gosling, and I play Ken. Max is now the exclusive streaming home of Barbie. So cool. And the Max with Ads plan is included with your Cricket $60 Unlimited plan at no additional cost. Log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. This is the best day ever. It is the best day ever. Don't miss Barbie, now streaming on Max. Phone plan streams in standard definition. Programming subject to change. These terms and restrictions apply. See cricketwireless.com for details. Welcome to True Crime Sucks, a podcast about the best and worst of true crime TV and documentaries. With your host, Adam Todd Brown. Hey, everybody. Welcome to True Crime Sucks, a podcast where we talk about the best and worst of murder television. I am your host, Adam Todd Brown. Joining me as co-host this week, Jack. Kelly! Hello! Hello, very excited to be here. Thank you for doing it. Everyone should remember Jack from the Glee episode of Pretty Scary, which Mm -hmm. that wasn't that long ago. You have to remember. You must. Or maybe you've (laughs) never listened to Pretty Scary, in which case, hey, that hurts a little. But thank you for listening to this show. I appreciate that. Jack, how's it going? It's it's going. I'm, I'm doing well. Doing well. Holding it together, you know, as one can. (laughs) That's all we can ask in... That's all we can ask for. 2K23 is holding it together. We we could certainly be in worse situations. Case in point, we could have been one of the Ward brothers in the early 90s. Wow. Wow. Look at that segue. Yeah, this segue (laughs) brought to you by Segway. Segway, when you need a segue, segue. We are covering the 1992 documentary, My Brother's Keeper, or maybe it's just called Brother's Keeper. It depends on what poster you're looking at, but I think it's My Brother's Keeper. I think it is, too, because when I searched Tubi, where you can watch this for free, um, I looked up My Brother's Keeper, and there were like six films titled My Brother's Keeper, and I was like... Man, I hope I'm picking the right one. (laughs) I actually had that same thought when I went to watch this, because there are at least two that I saw. I watched it on Amazon, and I was like, man, I hope me and Jack clarified what my brother's Keeper documentary (laughs) were watching. Because if not, this is going to be a roller coaster of a show. But Oh, yeah. It seems like we're on the same page. I think so, too. I think it helps that, like, the other My Brother's Keeper films were fictional. So, yeah. like, you know, as a purveyor of documentaries, I was, you know, I was like, oh, this absolutely has the vibe of a documentary. <laughs> and these are not actors, and I can tell. <laughs> this was directed by Joe Berlinger and Bruce Sanofsky, who people who are rabidly into true crime documentaries will probably recognize those names as being the duo behind the Paradise Lost trilogy, which is about the West Memphis Three. But really, let's focus on what's way more important, which is that they also directed Metallica's Some Kind of Monster documentary. You ever seen Some Kind of Monster? I have not. I have not. It is kind of a delight. Mm. It's Metallica going to therapy. 
when do you see bands do that? Like it's it's I, literally just that they call in a therapist. I, I love it when people go to therapy. What a delight! <laughs> <laughs> this was their first documentary. This came out in 1992, so it's old. It's older than a lot of people I know. Mm-hmm. So you, you don't go in expecting crisp HD visuals. It's almost as old as I am. It looks like it came out in 1992. Yes, absolutely. I will admit that, like, when the documentary started, it was, like, a little jarring to see how, like, I don't know, I hesitate to say unpolished because it was polished for 92, you know? Right. But, like, I'm just so used to, like, the the super slick documentaries and docuseries of the last decade and, like... I watch documentaries all the time. I rewatch documentaries. Like the saddest, darkest shit you can imagine, I have rewatched multiple times because Yeah. I, I can't help myself. Yeah. Like I'm are I'm doing able- a rewatch of the R. Kelly documentary and it's like, <laughs> oh Are you able to watch stuff like that and then sleep? Yes. Yeah, same. Uh, like <laughs> I'll watch like fear thy neighbor to go to sleep. And it's like, I have neighbors. This could be me very easily, but no. Yeah. It, it knocks me out. I had a friend once um, when the art of killing came out, like in like 2013 or something like that was the Indonesian literally um, just covered that on the episode I recorded yesterday. Amazing. So good. It's so good. Such a good documentary. It's fascinating. Honestly, the production of it is just as interesting as the documentary itself but like i just remember a friend was telling me about it and he was like he was like man it took me three times to watch it and i couldn't sleep like he's like i had to watch it in spurts and i was like okay i'll I'll check it out i watched the whole thing in one seat (laughs) sitting and immediately went to bed like he was like this does not bother me (laughs) yeah i've just i've been watching true crime stuff so long my mom is way 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 into true crime like she was reading true crime novels and same all that shit in the 80s and so yeah i guess i'm just kind of desensitized to it and so so desensitized like it is it's like you know some people put on sitcoms in the background i put on the vow um yeah yeah (laughs) you know just so let's talk about my brother's keeper yeah it covers the story of delbert ward and his brothers lyman roscoe and william they all live together in a dilapidated house in munsville new york which is near utica new york people at home i know you were like where's munsville and i'm like it's near utica and you're like oh yeah utica sure that's where it is upstate new york the other new york I lived there for about six months. Didn't love it. Didn't, Not for you? No. Lots mm. of retired cops. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I, I basically lived in Copland, like that Stallone movie. That, oh, delightful. Yeah, that was my community. It was wonderful. I got the fuck out of there so fast. <laughs> also, I think we're underselling it, saying this house they lived in was dilapidated. Man, seeing their house was like, man, this is like straight out of a hoarder's episode. They had exactly four places to sit in that house, one for each brother. Right. And like, that was it. Like, there was one point where they were talking about like, like, oh, Bill always sat over there, which was like, they didn't actually show it, but was like, basically just like a cinder block against the wall. Right. It was like all the other towns, people refer to them as the boys. And it's important to note that they are 
all in their 60s or late 50s. Like, they're not children. They are grown-ass men. But everybody refers to them as the boys. And, like, they're talking about how the boys, like, have, like, you know, bad clothing and how you don't want to be seated at the table after the Lyman brothers leave because they all are, (laughs) as one of them called, they're just smelly. They're very smelly. Yeah. Um, They don't really shower all that much. At at one point, it's suggested that they change their clothes, like, every six months. Like, yeah, it's bad. It's bad times. Mm -hmm. You hear them referred to as dumb or stupid, uneducated, all of those things. And it's appropriate. It's true. But you do see people in this, like, catch themselves, like, calling them stupid. And then they're like, well, well, like, uneducated. You you get it. Yeah. They're like, they're simple. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. people are people are allowed to be just, like, simple people who are uneducated. But they're also, like, they're very sweet like they're all very nice. Yes. And like, you know, they're they're never described as like being malicious people. They're just really simple f- farmers who all they're just four brothers who live together. None of them have any like romantic entanglements with anybody else. They just live together and have always lived together and that's the long and the short of it. Like they've lived in the same house since 1964. They've just been together for a long time and then that life suits them and they're really happy to live this life all four of them together and then one day 64 year old william ward the oldest of the brothers is found dead and at first it seems like it would just be natural causes but then at least according to one of the cops that we see in this episode there's a call from a medical examiner and he at that point is told well there's some suspicious circumstances looks like maybe this was suffocation or smothering and you should open up an investigation am i crazy that that gets contradicted later on because yes it it does because they're interviewing the medical examiner when the trial happens and he says basically that he changed the ruling to suffocation or smothering after the police said that this guy confessed. I feel like we're skipping ahead, but like, yeah, I have so many feelings about the, that medical examiner. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> I would like to save till later, but yes, <laughs> it was will. like, cause at first in the documentary, they said like, Oh, the police showed up. They took in the scene. They They said it was like a natural cause. They left. And then the ME called and said like, oh, actually, there are signs that it was a murder. Dun, dun, dun. And I thought it was so interesting because like having watched so many documentaries that are like this, that include the subject, include the person on trial. I doubt this was like the first one to do it, but like... I'm guessing this is like a foundational documentary that a lot of true crime documentarians use because it's well done and it really humanizes Delbert. But like they really set this documentary up of just like, here is this man. This is his life. And you're like, okay, but what's the deal with him? And then they're like, his brother dies. And they think it might be him. And then this is the moment where you're like, oh, so now we as an audience are now caught between we are, you know, now have to be the detectives of like, do we think Delbert is innocent or guilty? Like, this is the moment where they're like, 
did he kill his brother? And you're like, ha ha. I've seen this pattern so many times in true crime documentaries yeah. that are like this. And I'm like, I-, I wonder if this is like a blueprint that they use. Yeah, it is a pretty foundational documentary when it comes to true crime stuff. Because this is still like 1992. There wasn't a ton of true crime documentaries out by then. Like, I think the Thin Blue Line was out. The Errol Morris documentary, mm. which is also a, a pretty groundbreaking true crime documentary. But yeah, this one, it's very early in the genre. So yeah, William Ward is found dead and his brother Delbert Ward, who shared a bed with William, is accused of killing his brother. Delbert, 58, so 11 years older than me. I, I got a lot of deteriorating to do because oh man man, delbert looks like he's about 40 years older than me yeah yeah i mean it's like because i was also thinking too is that like you could tell that it is like it's a small community this is early 90s so like healthcare i mean in america has always been terrible like the healthcare system but like when you live in a small town like that and you don't really have any money and you don't necessarily have like the wherewithal to be like, oh, I've got this really bad feeling in my teeth. Oh, well, like, you're like, what am I going to do? Like, I can't go to the dentist. So like, there's a lot of people in this community that just are missing teeth. But it's like, because one, the healthcare system out here sucks. And by out here, I mean, this fucking country. But, um, but two, it's just like, they're in such a small town that I'm guessing, because they talk about like, oh, we went to Oneida to get groceries. And they're all wearing hats that say Oneida. And it's like, that's just a larger town. Like Munsville, I didn't look it up. Munsville must be itsy bitsy. Sure. Must be super tiny if they have to go to the next town. Oh, yeah. 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 The town plays a big part in this. Arguably the the biggest part in this. I loved it. I loved how big of a role the, the community played. It comes up a lot that the Ward boys were kind of like, outcasts in the community before this but once this starts happening to delbert ward where the entire community just kind of sees this as a miscarriage of justice they're like he would never kill his brother they really rally around him and what you hear a lot is like yeah they're outcasts but there are outcasts which is the kind of thing you hear in sports where like your quarterback is just the biggest asshole on the planet, but you're like, he's my quarterback. What are you, what are you going to do? And yeah. that's sort of how they rally around Delbert Ward. And it's very sweet. And I loved it. I loved it. I loved hearing everybody talk about them. Like, yeah, they're weird, but like, we would be sad if they all left one day. Like, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's finding out like that person that's just kind of like a, you don't realize that they're just like, always in your life and you just kind of don't really think about them all that much and you're like okay but then as soon as they're gone you're like oh i kind of miss them like and you'd be mad if something happened to them even though you're like i don't really have any strong feelings on this person either way (laughs) yeah they're like the town mascots almost yeah yeah (laughs) like yeah people just kind of like having them around and they're like they're happy you know they're just yeah living in this house Someone even says at one point when they keep hitting on the fact they all shared beds, this guy's like, who cares? No one ever went in their house. Like if they talked to anyone, it was out in the barn. So what do you care if they're sharing a bed? 
I love that, man. I mean, we'll get into more about hit like that whole statement, but like, yeah, yeah, that because that scene has to do with something totally else. Like, yes, I was genuinely surprised at how many feelings this documentary brought out in me. Yeah, it's I mean, I know whenever people say simpler times, it usually means a bad thing. But this is kind of right before Newt Gingrich, like really started dividing the country like it was him like he really started the red versus blue thing in a way where you probably wouldn't get statements like that out of these townsfolk now but back then they were like fucking who cares who cares it's not hurting me who cares yeah who cares who cares if they share a bed who gives a shit yeah it was it was an interesting snapshot of this point in america in that way Mm -hmm. They interview the rest of the brothers pretty early on. They're interviewed all throughout. Like, they're the focus of this. Roscoe Ward, who is, he's just adorable. He, at one point, like, he says William died from natural causes and then just jams such a huge wad of chewing tobacco in his mouth, like, right in the middle of this interview. Just incredible. They also interview Lyman Ward. He goes on at length about how nervous he is and how a lot of people who live where he lives are nervous. And it's not quite clear why, of all the things that you could have heard Lyman say, like, why did they focus on that? Yeah. But then the trial rolls around. Yeah, you find out much later. I'll admit, when they started talking to Lyman, that's when I had to turn subtitles on for this documentary. I was like, oh, man, I don't know what he is saying at all and i just had to keep them on for the whole documentary i'm not a subtitles girly so it's like (laughs) that was a big deal for me to be like oh fuck i need these yeah i don't hate subtitles but if i can avoid them i do i didn't really turn them on for this but there were definitely moments where i was like oh yeah that guy just said something my favorite is when the subtitles were even like unintelligible (laughs) it's like great (laughs) great i'm glad that the subtitle person also has no fucking clue what he just said but one thing that kind of stands out from this moment and that i think is important in terms of what happened to delbert ward is like we say these guys are uneducated they're not smart like you have to see them talk and interact with them to understand what degree that goes to because a lot of times they'll just like say yes to something you said. And you see this in the documentary where the filmmaker will ask them something and like Delbert will say, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's like, do you understand what I just asked you? He's like, nope, I sure don't. Yeah. There's a moment where they asked, I think it was Lyman, maybe it was Roscoe, but they asked one of them, like, what's your favorite memory of Bill? And he then tells the last thing he did with Bill. And they kept being like, no, what's your, they're like, what's your favorite? What's your favorite memory? What's your favorite memory? Or maybe they said the best memory of Bill. I think they said best. They should have said favorite. They said best and they heard last. And so it was like, but not like, so they, he said like the best, you know, so you just see best and then they heard last. And so it's like, there's a lot of confusion. They just kind of like, I don't know. Sometimes they just start talking about other things. I also like, you know, they're, they're obviously like good enough farmers that like they can make a living farming. Like, you know, I, I always hate it when there's like, Oh, well they're uneducated, which means that they're stupid and being like, no, they're just like their intelligence is just elsewhere. 
Like their intelligence is in farming. Like, you know, their intelligence is in like familial relationships, you know? And so it's like, they are just very simple men. And I think that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. It comes up that, you know, they can barely read. Mm -hmm. And as bad as that is, there's also the point that like, well, they never really needed to. Like that's not, that's not how their existence works. And that's kind of the problem, though, because Delbert Ward finds himself in a situation where he does need to read and he does need to know some shit and the police take advantage of him. Mm -hmm. There's not any other way to say it. Yeah. They take advantage of how uneducated Delbert and his brothers were. Yeah. And it sucks. Fucking Mm -hmm. sucks. Yeah. Oh, I have so many thoughts on that, but I want to like make sure that we hit yeah. that we go through before we get to those points. Cause ugh. <laughs> how about Walt Giesler? He was one of the supporters of the Ward brothers. He's the one who got the fundraiser going to yeah. raise their bail. They needed $10,000 bail and Walt and his wife write a check for a thousand dollars immediately. And they raise the rest of the money, he says, in 10 to 15 minutes, which, again, cool. I like that. Yeah. I like yeah. that about this community. It's great. Yeah. I mean, it. it is just it is just incredible, like hearing them all talk about it. And like they are so supportive and like there's they also talk about how Bill was really sick for a really long time and that yeah. he had this really bad cough for a really long time and they were like the ward boys are all really sweet they're all very nice they're all very gentle so it's like if delbert were to have killed bill it would have been a mercy killing because he was so sick the people that are like i don't believe that he did it but if he did it that would have been the reason like i just when the documentary started and they started like going into and talking to delbert about it and then talking to people who know delbert I just kept looking at him and being like, what would the motive have been? Like, I just couldn't figure out a motive. And like, when they said like, oh, well, Bill was really sick. And I was like, well, then like mercy killing, like immediately I was like mercy killing. Like that would be, you know, it's like if they're, if they are simple farmers and they are experienced with like, okay, if my cow is sick, I'm going to kill the cow so that the cow does not have to suffer. Like, I get it. Like, I understand why that would happen. And that's what all the townspeople are thinking, too. Like, there were so many times where I was like, this is my thought. And the townspeople are like, this is the same thought that you just had reflected back (laughs) at you. I'm like, yes, (laughs) I'm with the townspeople. It was just so interesting to hear them, like, rationalize it and just hear them in conversation with one another talking about, like, he didn't do it. And if but if he did, it would be a mercy killing. And it was not there's nothing malicious behind it. Right. Like, you know, and this goes back to them being unable to access healthcare, And it's like, yeah. you know, if they had like a great hospital nearby and, you know, we had socialized healthcare, and they didn't have to worry about what that bill would be like, they could have brought him to get help. But like, if that was just not an option, like, what do you have? Like if he did kill him, right. Mercy killing. Yeah. And even then I wonder if Delbert was even like with it enough to connect those dots, meaning yeah. like, well, this is what we do when animals are sick. So I guess this is what I do to my brother also. I don't know that he would have even made that connection. Like That's true. Like that, that even seems like a bit of a leap 
But yeah. yeah, if he did do it, it clearly was not out of malice. Like, what did these dudes even have to fight about? Like, yeah, like that was the thing. <laughs> yeah, there was nothing like nothing pointed to this being a malicious act of murder. Yeah, it's like it's not like they were like, oh, well, Bill was sleeping with Delbert's girlfriend. No, none of them had relationships. No. Oh, well, Bill had paid Delbert back 40,000. Nope, not that <laughs> at all. Like they didn't have any money. Yeah. I kept going through like the traditional motives that, you know, we see time and time again in these murder cases. And it's just like, okay, but there's none of that present. And, and so it was like, I guess mercy killing. But like, even then, like, like you said, it's just like, I don't know if they would have connected the dots. And like, also, if he'd had that cough for a long time, it's like, okay, well, he has this cough and he's still living. Who cares? You know? Yeah. So it's around this point that we meet that first cop. He's the only one whose name I wrote down, Joseph Lazinski. He's the one who says he got the call from a medical examiner that mm -hmm. said they should investigate this as a murder. And then they just kind of leave that there. And yeah. it ends up being an important moment later. There's a few scenes like that early on. It's really good filmmaking where it is. you're like, what is this about? And then near the end, you find out what it's about. I mean, that's obviously an important moment either way. Mm -hmm. But then we also meet Harry Thurston. Oh, Harry. Arguably Ugh. my favorite character in Ugh. this. I mean, not character is not the right way to put it. Harry's he, a real I person. I mean, he is, he is a character, though. Like, he is. In the way that you would describe somebody who's very interesting. Like, oh, he's a character. You know, um, they all are, really. Yeah. Um, he talks very matter-of-factly about how these cops are smart people and they knew they were dealing with dumb people and they shouldn't have done what they did. Harry's a good friend. That is the best way to describe Harry Thurston. He has the Ward brothers back and yes. it's very nice to see. Yeah. I wrote a quote down from him specifically. That was people shouldn't be treated that way if they're stupid. And he paused and goes, not stupid uneducated right like he's been their friend for 50 years he says like he's known them for a very long time so if anybody is able to speak to their characters it's him i like that a lot of these interviews go a long way toward dispelling the notion that like oh well everyone here is just poor and stupid and uneducated like it's clearly not the case like everyone has a pretty thick accent, but Harry Thurston is a great example. Like mm -hmm. he knows what he's talking about. He's a, clearly a smart guy and yeah. he just doesn't sound like what society associates with smart people sounding like. Yeah. He was like pointing out that like Delbert probably didn't understand when they asked him if he wanted to waive his rights. Yeah. He's like, he probably doesn't know what that means. He probably doesn't know what that means. That he was like, oh, I waved to my friend, but not like what wave my rights means. Like, he's like, he doesn't know that. And then he, at the very end, like, I was like, this, I love this man. And he's yeah. just like, how can you charge someone like that? Like, he's just like, how, how can you charge someone with a murder when this is what you're, this is how you're asking them these questions. And you know that they have no fucking clue what you're talking about. This part of it really reminded me of the Anand Sayed trial. Oh, um, sure. 
for serial because like whether or not you think Adnan is guilty or innocent, it was really reminiscent of that, that they brought in this 17 year old and expected him to understand what was happening in the situation. We're charging you with the murder of your ex-girlfriend and you are to know exactly what is supposed to be going on. And Adnan didn't know that he could have asked for a lawyer and like not talked and asked for a lawyer. He didn't know he could do that. And then he ended up being in prison for 30 years. Like I just had such flashbacks of that situation of just like expecting these people that obviously don't know their rights because they're either very simple or they're a literal child and like, asking them are you gonna waive your rights and it's like i didn't even know i could ask for a fucking attorney like yeah what like and you know harry's question of like how could you charge someone like that really i was like that to me is like is such a thing and it's like i mean if you can't tell i'm in the ad non is innocent camp but like yeah it's like you could also tell in those interviews that like the cops were also coercing information out of Adnan because they know how to fucking do it. And it's so the answer to the question people always have, which is, well, if you were innocent, why would you confess? Because the police trick you into confessing. Like Delbert, yeah. the way he eventually describes it, they were just like, hey, if you sign this piece of paper, we'll take you home. And that is a thing you've heard so many times in so many other true crime documentaries where the police just want to arrest people. And yes. in this case, Delbert at one point brings up, I think a very valid point, which is look at all this land we got. Why yes. wouldn't the police want us all in jail? Because then someone could just buy up all our land. Yeah. Cause they were talking about how like developers would want it. Cause they were like right on the outskirts of like, what would become suburbia right and so it's like all of this land is extremely valuable and that like someone with monetary gain convinced someone to get a confession out of him so they could get their land like it sounds like he's maybe being a little nervous as his brother says but then his lawyer comes on and is like yeah i think that, that could be what happened oh my god cognetti is like one of my favorite human beings yeah, I, he's he's a fun guy. Oh my god. I was like this this Italian <laughs> coming in and be like, "Hi, I am a lawyer. I'm going to fucking yell about things cuz I'm mad." And I'm like, "Yes." Yeah. Yes. He was definitely the lawyer they needed. That's yes. For sure. Like oh he, man. He did not take oh. kindly to what was happening to Delbert Ward. And no one should have. It was nuts no. how no. adorable is the benefit fundraiser scene at the bar roscoe shaves and gets all dolled up just the sweetest thing it the, was so precious the food looked like my nightmare but <laughs> beyond that it looked like such a rocking good time lots of dancing like you know it was just you know them talking to all of the like everybody in town and like somebody even saying like this is not the type of a man to commit this vicious a crime like right. lots of people saying like this is not him and then they were also talking about how like in that scene they were talking about how it's getting national media attention and they were having like they showed multiple reporters, obviously from different stations, standing in the exact same spot, talking about what's happening behind them. And it's like, this is, this is wild. Yeah. 
And it seemed like <sighs> even that reporter he talked to was trying to trick him into saying something that he shouldn't say because she asked him about it being a mercy killing. And it's like Delbert yeah. doesn't know what you're asking him. Stop it. I kept getting so frustrated with that, that like, there's a point where I think it's Harry talking about the difference between like rural and urban beliefs and how like the urban district attorney thinks that they are so much smarter and that the town and the brothers particularly are stupid enough to get a confession. Right. There's a lot of talk about like, you know, the difference between like urban and rural and how people view rural people and he's like we're not dumb like we're not all dumb like but because of the way we live people think that we don't fucking know anything and it's like we do these boys don't but like we do (laughs) right yeah you can tell in that scene like delbert's not used to attention or no like having a lot of friends he keeps saying these are all my friends And you can tell he's very happy. And like, I love that for him, even though it's happening because of a horrible miscarriage of justice. But yeah, I still sort of love that Delbert got this moment, which is a weird thing to say. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I'm sorry that this had to come, you know, after being a suspect in your brother's murder, quote unquote murder. But like, you know, it's. Like, I was so pleased for him. Yeah. And really pleased for all three of them that, like, they were, like, kind of being adopted in. And, like, this is when the town was, like, they're kind of outcasts, but they're, like, our outcasts. And they're not really outcasts because we do love them. They're just a little weird. They're just a little weird. But, like, the DA says that they're outcasts. And, like, the community doesn't like them. And the community's like, go fuck yourselves. Yeah. We like them. Get out of here. Yes, they're a little smelly, but they're ours, goddammit. <laughs> yes, yeah, speaking of the DA, there is a highly shady moment that the lawyer brings up, Delbert's lawyer, where they're in court and they pull out a picture and ask Delbert to identify the person in the picture. And it's a picture of his brother at the scene of his death. But there's a pillow over his face. And... The lawyer is like, I don't know if that's supposed to represent what the body looked like when police arrived, but it's not. There was no pillow on his face. So someone at the scene thought to put a pillow on the face and then take the picture. That's wild to me. Yeah. And they were like, oh, well, maybe they were trying to like shield the face from photos. It's like, but why would you do that? Like, really, this just looks like they're trying to make it look like it was a smothering with the pillow. I also was thinking at this time that, like, just the way that they were all talking, like, the investigator and the DA and all of them, just the way they were talking, it was like, goddamn, they know that people will automatically trust them and have a bias toward them. And that they're like, well, obviously, it's like they're lying about how it was, you know, what actually happened. We're the police. We know what's going on. And we're here to hand out justice and whatever and it was just like this feels like you're lying to me yes lozinski i think was talking and it was just like he's like it's just outrageous can i say outrageous and it was like go fuck yourself sir it's not outrageous it's what police do outraged when he used the word outrageous it's like listen i get that you're living in 1992 sir but we've seen the documentaries since then 
This is exactly Ugh. what the fucking police do. They said that like Lyman said that he and Delbert discussed killing Bill. And it was like, once again, this does not sound like a conversation the two of them would have had. They kind of get two confessions. They get the confession from Delbert, where he basically says that he committed a murder and killed his brother. But they also get Lyman to say that they'd been talking about it for a long time before that, which also is recanted later. Yeah. And that's the first time we hear that. And you're like, wait, what? Like, what? It was also during this little scene that like that Lazinski was like, oh, we solicit incriminating responses and said we use techniques that are most productive to us. And I was like, you're sir, you're telling on yourself. Like, yeah. (laughs) aka we force illiterate people to sign shit without an attorney present like yeah unbelievable like you are telling on yourself yeah it's a big leap from illicit to coerce at all especially when you're dealing with delbert ward and lyman ward i thought the part where the lawyer was talking about all the media attention that Delbert was getting, like the risk that it could change him in a way that he's like less sympathetic when they got to trial. Yeah. And like, I get it, but also Delbert didn't change that much. No, he did not. Like he was just happy. He had more people he perceived as friends. He wasn't going to show up and like play the electric guitar on the stand it's fine. It's, it's not like he was going out and getting like hookers and blow. It's like <laughs> he was just maybe showering he went a little to, more frequently. He went to a livestock auction without his brothers and people were like, Delbert's yeah. changed. Like, that's literally what he did. And that's when everyone's like, yeah, Delbert's different now. It's like, I relax, everybody. Uh, uh, He's still going to so look like funny. Delbert when he gets to the city. It was just it was so fucking funny. And it was like after that, there was like a moment where they said like, oh, and they did a rape test on Bill. And there's no preamble to saying that either. And it was like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, what? And I think like, and honestly, it's like, I think that that reaction is like my reaction was probably the town's reaction of just like, I'm sorry. Like. What led you to do that? And it sucks that like Delbert has to keep hearing it. And yeah, he has because what it turns into is after the mercy killing theory, the next theory the police come up with is that Delbert killed his brother in, quote, a sex act gone wrong. And here's the thing. My wife didn't even watch the documentary. And when I said that part, she goes, no, no, that's not what happened. And like, you can tell that's not what happened. But the police pursue it. I was absolutely stunned. Absolutely stunned. Because it was like, it was like, man, y'all are fucking throwing darts at a dartboard is what you're fucking doing. You made your bed and you don't want to fucking lie in it to be like, oh, well, we're accusing this man of murder, but we can't back off. And be like, actually, we were wrong because we're the police and we have an image to uphold. This is the part where it was like, it's, you know, where Harry like really solidified his place in like the pantheon of amazing interviews because he was like, yes, they slept in the same bed. Maybe they did have sex. Who fucking cares? Yeah. Like, who cares? 
the amazing thing is like he even like talked about like there are queers that live down in New York City and they're happy and they probably live up here too. That's yeah. fine. And it, I will yeah, say he's it was like, like there are lesbians and gay people all over the place. And he's yeah. like, who cares? Yeah. He's like, who gives a shit? Um, although there was a moment where it was like, I mean, it's also incest, but like, <laughs> it's a little different, yeah. but, um, you know, but, but like, true, there's uh, that. but hearing the, like the sex gone wrong murder, I was like, the brothers obviously do not care what other people think of them. So it's like, part of me thinks that the cops were probably like, oh, well, maybe if we say that the brothers were sleeping together and they were gay and there was incest that the community will turn against them and it'll be a lot easier for us to convict because nobody's going to be on his side because who wants to defend an incestuous homosexual and that's what we're going to do. But it's just like, okay, but then what would be the motive? Like we're still right. not thinking like the, the boys do not give a shit what people think about them. They show up to dinner at a restaurant smelly. They don't really shower. They don't. Yeah. They just do their own fucking thing. Like, I don't think they would ever have had the thought if they were sleeping together that they'd be like, oh, no, the shame of the community finding out being like, I don't think that they possessed those thoughts. I don't think that was a thing that they thought about because nobody went in their house. Nobody really bothered them. They did their own thing. Like, obviously, if that was happening, like, the two other brothers were like, okay, like, who cares? Like, yeah. it was like, are you trying to put the shame card on them to, like, make it seem like Delbert was suddenly ashamed that he was sleeping with his brother being like, I don't think that's fucking true. It's like, seriously, what in the world was the DA up to? Like, why are they trying so fucking hard to frame this man? Yeah. I just like, it was like, man, we are really trying everything, aren't we? <laughs> and that, I, I think that makes the, well, they just want my land argument. I think yeah. that kind of makes it make sense. Yeah. Like, honestly, like, we know that cops are fucking crooked. And like, yeah. if a developer, if somebody came in, we know developers have a lot of money and they're also fucking crooked, that like, they went in and were like, hey, sliding an envelope of cash across the desk to the Munsville PD, be like, hey, or the state troopers, uh, which we know straight, state troopers are also fucking janky as shit. And they're, they they right. try to portray the state troopers as like, oh, well, we're better than a normal, like, no. we're, we're, we're not a, a, a normal police department. We're a cool to police department. It was like, calm down. It's the state troopers. You're the same yeah. fucking thing. Yeah. Like, but, like, it's not that much of a stretch to imagine a developer coming in with an envelope of cash, sliding across the table to the captain and being like, I want this land, figure it out. And, yeah. like, they're like, okay, fuck. Like, and then Bill happens to just die. And then they're like, oh, well, these are some weirdos. And I think if we get the community to turn against them and they don't get the support of the community because they're weirdos, they were really banking on them being unsupported by their community. Yes. And that like, okay, and then paying for all these legal fees are going to bankrupt them and they're going to have to sell the farm and they're going to sell the farm to the developers and then we'll cut a check back to the cops. It's like that all makes fucking sense. Like that's not sense. a stretch. <laughs> well, it reminds me of making a murderer. Where yes, that's, I was thinking of that one too. Where people are like, 
what motive would the police have to frame Stephen Avery? It's like, I don't know that multi-million dollar lawsuit he just won that was going to bankrupt them. How about that? Like, it's crazy. Mm, it's, it's infuriating is, is what it is. It's so infuriating. It was also like, at this point, I think they were also demonstrating like how, I think they were having Delbert demonstrate on like Roscoe or Lyman, like how he smothered Bill. I think they asked like, how'd you do it or something like that? I don't remember. Like, or what'd you show them? And they showed him reaching like around his head to like from behind to like cover his nose and his mouth. Right. And it was like, okay, two things or three things. One, that's a very awkward position to be in, in a bed. Um, Have you ever tried to put your arm under another individual in bed? It's uncomfortable for everyone involved. Two. Oh, so they were saying his arm was under him? Well, they were like, well, they were demonstrating like that he like reached around and like covered Bill's oh, yeah, mouth. I guess so. Yeah. And that like came back later. Like it wasn't just Delbert demonstrating. It's like they they mentioned it later Two, And I was having these thoughts as I was watching. It. I was like, and two, they have the photo of the pillow over his face. So like, was it the pillow or was it his hand? And three, if it was either, I don't know about you, but, you know, when I have a hard time breathing, I start flailing or trying to get the thing that's on my face off my face so I can breathe. They're making it seem like Bill just, like, laid there and just, like, took it. It was like, yeah. I'm sorry. Anybody, in regardless of any, like, health condition, if they are struggling for air, like, they're going to fight back in some way. There would have been scratches on Delbert. There would have been bruises on Bill's face. There would have been, like, there would have been something. And they kept, uh, like, like, and if the Emmy found suspicious evidence, which is what they said at the very beginning, what the fuck was it? Right. What was it? They never say what it is. Like, was it bruises? Was it bruises on his face? Because he like, didn't have What any. is it? There, he didn't have any. Yeah, he didn't weren't. fucking have any. Even Delbert says that at one point. He's like, you'd think there'd be some marks on his face if I uh, put my hand over his face. And it's like, yeah, Delbert can make that connection. And you're also assuming that like Delbert has the strength to because they even say that like Bill was much stronger than Delbert. Right. That like like Bill could have easily probably launched Delbert across the room. if like, <laughs> Yeah, he was trying to like he could have gotten him off of him if that were the case. And it's like, what? None of it made sense. How about the Connie Chung segment? Connie Chung comes to town and interviews the Ward brothers, and she makes them look like just even in the brief clips we see of it, she makes them look pretty bad. So bad. Like, they are really playing up the yokels angle with the Ward brothers. And even worse, they're interviewing the cops and letting the cops spit all of their theories they interview someone from town who's like i know he did it and harry thurston's like i'm gonna fight that motherfucker if I, absolutely if i catch him i'm gonna fight him it's like fuck yeah harry oh. i bet you will oh, the best the best and it was so interesting too to like see the difference between like how the connie chung segment treated them and how the documentarians have been treating them is right. like the documentarians would just let them talk and they wouldn't cut. And like, that was the other thing about like the difference that I noticed between like this documentary and 
current documentaries is because there's like sometimes there's too much editing in current documentaries where you're like was this a cohesive statement like is this a thing that they said in like in one thing are you piecing it all together so that like the statement sounds better but like they would just have them talk for long stretches of time and there was no cutting there was no like cut to like explain what's happening explain what munsville is explain what's going on no none of that they just let the brothers talk no cuts and it really helped i think solidify the case of just like no these brothers did not do this delbert did not do this you know it's like cutting it together and cutting it apart like makes them look like idiots but like just letting them talk is just like no they're just simple guys it's different yeah and i love their lawyer's reaction to the sex gone wrong theory like he basically holds a pep rally with the town and is like can you believe that this is the theory now. He is so angry, so fired up, so looks like Ned Flanders from The Simpsons. Absolutely. But like, I think Cognetti and Harry Thurston were my two favorite people in this documentary. I feel like Cognetti never questioned the character of Delbert. He never questioned it, never wavered. And he was just like, nope, I believe my client. Like, no, and this, he was, is, this is not it at all. And he's like furious at the cops for doing this. And he's a good lawyer. Like that's another, he's a good lawyer. That's another way this could have gone. It's a thing you also see in a lot of true crime documentaries where people are like, well, if the confession was coerced, why didn't his lawyer just get it thrown out? And it's like, because they had shitty lawyers too. Like you see yeah. all the time in true crime documentaries where people go to prison because they had lazy, awful lawyers. And in this case, it was refreshing to see that not happen. Yeah. I mean, to bring it back to the Adnan Syed case, like they talk about how Christina Gutierrez, his original lawyer, like she was normally pretty good. But like for some reason, she like at the time they were like, for some reason, she just like wasn't on it. And like she like let things slide and like just like wasn't doing her job for Adnan. And then they find out later that she had like been diagnosed with cancer and like was Mm. dealing with that at the time. And it was like, oh, she was a little preoccupied um, to be dealing with this case and probably shouldn't have taken it. But like, but there were just so many things that like she did that didn't help his case. And so it was like, if you have a bad defense attorney and you didn't do it, people are going to think that you did it because your defense attorney wasn't good. And people are going to more likely side with the prosecutors in these things because it's like, oh, well, they have the evidence and you're just sitting over here trying to say you didn't do it. I'm just thinking of when people say that, like, report to Amazon being like, hey, I didn't receive my package. And Amazon's just like, okay, but what's your what's your proof that you didn't receive the package? Because we have the proof that you did receive it. And then people just send a photo of their empty hand and they're like, <laughs> I didn't get the fucking package. Like that's <laughs> that's like basically trying to be like, no, I didn't fucking kill him. Okay, prove that you didn't kill me. Like <laughs> my hands, I didn't kill him. <laughs> like yeah. I don't. <laughs> so speaking of all that, now the trial starts. Man. All of the trial stuff is really good. Yes. Uh, I mean, also very infuriating in parts delbert's lawyer comes out of the gate swinging he's like listen delbert is essentially a child in a man's body and anyone else in this courtroom would have recognized that what was happening to them was coercion but yeah 
not Delbert. And it's like, man, it sucks that Delbert has to hear that. But also Delbert's probably like, huh? What? What do you say? Yeah. Which is for yeah. the best. <laughs> Very much for the best. Yeah. I will say that the DA, Curio, I think is his name. Yeah, Sirio, um, I think. Sirio, yeah, Sirio. Um, personality of wet cardboard. Yeah. That man. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm supposed to be like, ah, yes, the DA, so fired up, so smart, so great. I love uh, that Delbert's lawyer, when he was given that pep rally about the sex crime theory, he was like, if I found out I was dying today, I'd kill Sirio. Yeah. It's like, damn, you said that on camera in the middle of the trial. Amazing. On camera. And like basically like looked down the barrel of like, I'd fucking kill him. Yeah. Like, oh my God. He didn't like say it to someone in the corner and then notice the camera. He was like, there was put no the camera on my was, face where I say this. No blinking, no flinching. No, nothing. It was basically like, how at me, motherfucker. <laughs> Even like, better, he says Syria would be the first person he'd first kill. Person. It's like, Jesus. Yeah, what if he was like, next, my ex-wife. Like, oh, come on. Calm down. Calm down. Said too much. <sighs> Just, oh, man. Just, what an excellent attorney. So, in the courtroom, we see why Lyman Ward was talking about being nervous so much. In yes. the beginning of this documentary. Oh, what great payoff. Oh, because they get him on the stand and he is, I'm not exaggerating, he is like hyperventilating. Shaking, violently shaking with yeah. nerves. Like to the point where like he cannot answer questions. They have to take a recess and three people have to help him walk off the stand. He is shaking so much. Like Lyman Ward has nothing on a chihuahua in winter. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just shaking so much. And, like, he looked like he was going to fucking puke all of his guts out. Like, every single internal organ was going to expel out his body because he was just, he was just turning in on himself. And it was like, and I was just thinking, I was like, he is this nervous being on the stand. I can only imagine that when the police were like, oh, well, Lyman said that this is the conversation that happened. It'd be like, he probably got pressured into answers as well because he probably got very nervous yeah. talking to the police and are just like, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want any issues. My brother just died and you're accusing my other brother and I just want none of this. I'll say yes to whatever. Just please let me go. I don't want to fucking talk to you. I'm so, so nervous. And so like watching him actually be physically nervous is like that's i could absolutely believe that is what happened when the police questioned him oh yeah and then even worse because they take that recess his testimony ends up carrying on into a second day and they're asking him about his statement where he said that, that he said that like delbert. he and yeah. he and delbert had the conversation yeah. about killing bill yeah where he talked about him and Delbert having talked about it. And every time they bring it up, he just goes, he didn't like, he's trying his best to just like say, no, what I told you then was a lie and he didn't do it, but he just keeps going. He didn't. And then just breaks down sobbing. And they <sighs> once again have to like help him out of the courtroom. And it's like, will you leave Lyman alone? My God. Yeah. Well, I thought it was so interesting, too, because, like, 
I thought it was a little like, <laughs> fuck off, DA moment when they were like, well, you said in your testimony with the defense that you didn't say any of this, that you didn't have that conversation, that he didn't do it. Um, but we have this conversation, this this signed confession that you had this conversation. You keep saying he didn't, but you say that you had this conversation. So do you want to revise your previous statement? Were you lying previously? <laughs> like, yeah. And um, and then he's just like, they were like, do you want to you know recant this? And he's like, yes. And they were like, oh yeah, what about? And he's like, this conversation never happened. And it was like, oh, 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 that is not what you thought he was going to do, DA, you fucking pieces of shit. Get out of here. Yeah. yeah, it was brutal watching him on the stand. Like, it, you you felt bad. Uh, I felt so bad. But at the same time, I was like, good for you, Lyman. Yeah. Like, not bowing to that pressure. I'm guessing that, like, Cognetti, their lawyer, like, really, like, was just like, I am a thousand percent here for you. You need fucking help. I'll fucking be here. Yeah. Like, you do not need to be afraid to be on that stand. I am right here. Um, I was and- not expecting Cyril Wecht to show up in this. He is... A very famous forensic pathologist. He was a big part of the OJ trial. He's on so many true crime shows. I just saw him on an episode of, I think, Fear Thy Neighbor. Yes, Fear Thy Neighbor. Oh, wow. About a case that happened in the early 90s. Yeah, and this, I mean, this is pre-OJ. Yeah, um, yeah. This is a warm-up. But let's talk about this fucking medical examiner. What oh, yeah. a smarmy piece of shit. Like, I hate this man. I'm upset that he had such great fashion, but like, what a smart <laughs> piece of shit. Like, he just, oh my God, like, cause they kept asking him, like, you know, oh, you know, what was the order of things? Like, they said that, like, they found him and then you said that it was a murder. And he's like, that's correct. And he's like, okay, but like, if that's the case, why did you do this initial death certificate and then the cops talked to you? And then you revised it to murder. Why is that? Did did the cops did the cops get in your ear and tell you to change it? And he's like, No, no, I I I changed it all on my own based on this these like burst like blood vessels. Oh yeah. P E T E C H I A E. It's too many vowels. Too, way too many. Um, but like there are these tiny little burst blood vessels, and he was saying like, well, based on that, that was happening in his esophagus, in the branches of his lungs, and then in his lungs, and so like that's the sign of asphyxiation. And it was like, okay, great, but like, uh, what? But then Seal Wecht gets on the stand, yeah, and is like, are you? fucking joking me (laughs) like are you kidding me this man says one thing is the reason it's a murder when there are four key things missing for this to be a murder yeah and he has his own theory which is that william died of heart failure and pulmonary edema which is when your lungs fill up with liquid which i assume would cause you to suffocate yeah and the fact they were like he was 64 years old. You know what's a common death for 64-year-old men? Heart failure. Yeah. Like, what? But, like, he also pointed out that, like, you know, the, the only two points that I remember him saying is that, like, he would have had facial injuries if he was asphyxiated right. by another human being. The blood distribution would have been different and that he would have thrown up. Like, there would have been regurgitated bile. Like, basically, right. if he was asphyxiated. And it was like, 
okay, Emmy, is that what you found on the body? You show us a picture. Where are the bruises on his face? Where's the sputum like on his mouth? Was it not present? Was he not asphyxiated? Is that not what happened? Yeah, that medical examiner is a real piece of shit. And he's proof positive of a thing I bring up on true crime podcasts all the time, which is that there are people who are absolutely shitty at their job at every level of society. We elect presidents who are consistently shitty at their jobs all the time. And that shit trickles down. Sometimes people just get their jobs because they know people, not because they're good at it. And this medical examiner fucking sucks at his job. Absolutely sucks. I was so stunned at how awful this man was. There was another documentary that I was really reminded of that I've watched multiple, multiple times. I think I've watched it upwards of like six or seven times. The How to Fix a Drug Scandal. Oh, yeah. um, Which is really good. It's on Netflix. And it's about these two drug lab employees on different sides of Massachusetts who had criminal stuff happening at the same time, but two very different things. One was actually using the drugs in the lab and the other was working with the prosecutors and working with the DA to fix these drug trials and like doing that on purpose. And so what they were saying is that like in her case that like people think that the scientists are unbiased and that they're not going to try anything that they're that like, oh, well, the science is going to reign supreme. The science is going to tell us. And it's like these are still humans at the end of the fucking day. And if they have motives, if they want to help out the police, they're going to do it and they're going to fudge whatever it is. And that's what that woman did. And they have tons of emails of her doing that. Yes, and like admitting to or, it, admitting to it and be like, yeah, I'll do I do anything for you guys. Oh, yeah, let's get them like. Yes. And it's like it's like you go, girl. Like and I was like, oh, my God. Like and so I can absolutely imagine the troopers going to this M.E. and being like, hey, we've been approached by developers because they want this land. They're giving us a lot of money. We'll cut you in if you mark this as a as a homicide. And it was like, they also mentioned at some point that like earlier, he he couldn't say with certainty that it was a homicide, but now he's a hundred percent certain. Yeah. Like, yeah, he was crooked what? as shit. I literally just have a note that says, God, I hate this. Emmy. <laughs> like, <laughs> just, I was like, I have too many feelings about you, sir. Um, for a person that's lingered in the background, this entire fucking story. And like, they even said like way early in the documentary that like, they were surprised at how quickly the autopsy turned around that apparently like yeah. the autopsy only took like four hours, which like, okay, if this was like natural causes and everything just seemed to kind of be like, yep, checks out like this is natural causes and you don't have to like do any like criminal checking of just like, oh, these are bruises, like having to like, take, you know, photos and whatnot, like of all the things like, wouldn't it be quick if it was just like heart failure well, and then I would think especially edema. Yeah, especially pulmonary edema, because that I'm assuming the fluid is still going to be there or there will at least be some sign of it. Unless he was implying that this guy's lungs filled up with fluid because someone put a pillow over his face. That's not how that works. No, also, it was his hand. Remember? Yeah. 
And also, they couldn't even decide. They couldn't even decide what he smothered him with. Was it his hand or was it the pillow? Like, and movies and TV shows really undersell what kind of process asphyxiating someone is. It doesn't yes. happen in the 15 to 20 seconds like you see on TV. It mm-hmm. takes like five to six minutes, sometimes yeah. longer. And a lot of fucking strength. And like, yeah. you you are trying to hold down a flailing human being who yep. is fighting for their literal life while you are trying to asphyxiate them. Like, I know just like, for instance, if I tried to asphyxiate you, for instance, like if I tried to smother you with something, my, like for the listeners at home, I am five <laughs> foot two. I weigh 145 pounds. There is no way that Adam could not throw me off of him if I tried to strangle him. Yeah. Or smother him. There's no way. It was like, like it would take an extreme amount of effort for me to do that. And the, the person has time to think about it too. Like, all right, is yes. there anything around the room I can grab? Like this is taking a while. So yeah, he didn't he didn't smother his brother. He he didn't. He absolutely didn't. <laughs> it sounded like, weird to say it that way. I was just so astounded at like just the sheer incompetence of the DA. It was like, you guys are fucking laying your hand on the table and just saying, I am playing poker like this. And you're like, yeah. why? What are you doing? Like, you're so bad at this. Oh my God. What did you think of the pig slaughter scene? I think I could have done without that, but I get it. I. Uh. Now that you say it, like, I understand the metaphor, but, like, I closed my eyes for that. I had a really hard time with that. It was rough. Because, like, I did watch it, and there's a moment at the end where it kind of looks like, oh, were they just, like, putting a tag on that pig or something? Because now it's just walking around, and it's like, oh, nope, here comes the blood. This is bad Um, times. I think it was also, like, may have... They tried to, like, maybe frame it as, like, a metaphor of, like, getting the pigs, cops. But, like, I was like, this is... <laughs> I do like this that. This is a stretch. <laughs> this <Yeah>. is a stretch. <laughs> and This is a very uncomfortable stretch. Yeah, I, I think they were just trying to show us how truly simple this man is. And mm-hmm. how simple this family is. That even in the middle of this crazy-ass trial where he's fighting for his life... He's like, I still got to eat. And around here, that means we have a dude come slaughter one of our pigs. Yeah, but I feel like it also demonstrates of like, you know, that pig is also fighting for its life. And like, sure, pigs and humans are not built the same. But like that pig knew that it was in trouble and was fighting for its fucking life. And it's like, that's that's what would happen if somebody tried to be asphyxiated. Like you're going to fight for your fucking life and you're going to grab and pull and scratch at whatever you fucking can to get out of that situation. Like, unless it was like Delbert and Bill like shook on it of just like, okay, I'm going to kill you tonight. Like it also doesn't make any sense why, like they said like, Oh, he did it around midnight, but he told people like he woke up at 5. AM that Bill was dead and be like, Oh, I'm sorry. You mean to tell me that that man slept next to a dead body for five hours? Mm. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, that doesn't make sense. What are we doing? Like, it's literally just like, yeah, these guys are a little different, but like, come on. Yeah. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) And so 
the case finally goes to the jury and they're out for an uncomfortably long amount of time, but they come back and, oh, thankfully, Delbert Ward is found not guilty. Ugh. The restaurant where they had the fundraiser, <laughs> their sign says Delbert Ward, not guilty. Not guilty. Hammer beef Ham dinner. beef dinner. <laughs> I also wrote that down. <laughs> beef, please. Yeah. Hammer I, beef dinner. I want I, that sign for my home. Uh, honest to God, that was also my final note <laughs> <laughs> on the documentary. I was like, that's enough for me. Yeah. Perfect sign. No notes. Yeah. It's that rare true crime documentary that kind of has a happy ending. Like, it sucks that William died, obviously, but he yeah. died of natural causes and no one goes to prison. I mean, Delbert went to jail for like three weeks. He was he was mm -hmm. locked up for like three weeks before the community bailed him out. And yeah, he doesn't see any further jail time. And I had an after the documentary section here so I could give people some follow up. But like, what do you what do you think? They all died of old age on their farm. Eventually, yeah. Delbert died in 98 at the age of 67. Roscoe died at 88 in June of 2007. Lyman died at 85 in August 2000. Seven. And I'm guessing Lyman went very soon after because it was like, well, that's it. Like, that, yeah. that was my final brother. Like, why do I stick around if I don't have any family left? But at least it doesn't turn into a thing where, like, the prosecutor keeps going back and trying to get Delbert or anything like that. You know, it ends on a positive note. And that's very rare with true yeah. crime documentaries. Ugh, honestly, like, I'm kind of glad that Delbert died first of the remaining three brothers because lord knows the da would have gone back in and be like well roscoe died i guess delbert <laughs> killed him and it's like oh my god like are you joking <laughs> get yeah. out like yeah that... just fucking say you don't have anything <laughs> like just say you don't have anything <laughs> yeah you see it so much with these true crime documentaries where some da or prosecutor just doesn't want to be wrong and they are willing to send innocent people to prison for that and that's very bad times very bad it's times it's absolutely infuriating i just get so so fucking mad at like seeing how the police mishandle everything yeah and like it's just like people that believe that like the police are infallible and be like the police are possibly the most fallible people on the fucking planet because highly they, fallible because their whole job relies on being right and like if they're not right then people are like what's the point of you and that's the correct response <laughs> i like this documentary though and i think people should, yes. should watch it you said it's free on tubi yes you're the one who told me it was free on tubi <laughs> uh yeah so i watched it on amazon is there ads on Tubi? Yes, there is. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's free on Tubi if you want to watch it. Highly recommend it. Like, especially if you're a big fan of true crime documentaries, you'll really see like, oh my gosh, this is absolutely foundational to the way that true crime is presented in current documentaries, especially when the subject is participating. Because until the very end, they really are putting 
all of the evidence that like that maybe he killed him and maybe he didn't in front of you and really letting you decide but like you're watching it you're like there's no fucking way he did this (laughs) but but like at the same time you're like but like maybe like yeah there's still just that little nugget of doubt and it's also like but i think it's like not even necessarily doubt but it's like as you're going you're just like maybe they just get him anyway like maybe he goes to prison anyway and like he didn't do it and we see that he didn't do it and then are we about to watch an innocent man go to prison because he was a simple guy who just happened to share a bed with his brother yeah i mean it's one of the most acclaimed true crime documentaries ever and i know this podcast is called true crime sucks but like i've already explained we're not just shitting on true crime documentaries although there will be some that do get shit on but these first few episodes especially we're talking about the classics the act of killing we just covered my brother's keeper it's so interesting that like you and i are both like big like true crime fans but yet have never seen this before yeah i hadn't even heard of it but like it is truly foundational to the genre it came out at a point like i was in high school and i wasn't catching documentaries in the theaters and definitely wasn't like renting them at blockbuster or whatever so yeah this just like flew past me I was two years old when this came out, so I definitely (laughs) missed it. (laughs) Yeah, but I get it. It is referred to as a foundational true crime documentary. And yeah, Yeah. you'll see. You'll see when you watch it. Yeah. It also, like, to me is so interesting because, like, there are times that you watch current true crime documentaries where the accused is participating and you can tell that, like, I think some documentaries do it better than this one where they like do really so doubt of like, maybe he did do it, you know? Um, yeah. And this is the evidence, but like, you know, this documentary is just so, it's so sympathetic to Delbert. I mean, you can watch literally the seasons pass in this documentary yeah. and how long they spent with these gentlemen, like how long they spent in this community and it's like they obviously built a lot of trust and respect with the entire community that like they're willing to talk to them about everything and like trusting them especially these outsiders from new york city um yes that's how they refer to them throughout yeah the entire documentary and And it's like like, i think they're from like syracuse or something But they're from they're from the big city (laughs) and um, Syracuse, New York. Um, But they are, you know, but they very much like at the end, they're like inviting the producers, like inviting the filmmakers to like um, spend time with them again. Like, please, like, yeah, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know, Dan, Bruce, Mike, like all of you, like come back. Like, you know, it's like it's very clear that they embedded themselves in the community and really like got to know the people and got their trust instead of just like breezing in like Connie Chung, for instance, making their assumptions and then leaving. It was like, no, we got to know them. And so like, we're framing them as being very sympathetic because they're, they are, they're they're people. Like every other outlet was already out there sowing doubt and putting Mm -hmm. doubt in people's mind to keep the story going. So this is what Delbert Ward deserved kind of like there needed to be a sympathetic ear like this out there for him and it's cool that he got it and yeah it's depicted really well in this documentary and uh people should watch it but i think 
I think that's our episode. I think we did it. So too. We did it. Jack, thank you so much. I appreciate it. We thank will. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we'll have you back on real soon. In the meantime, do you have anything to plug before we get out of here? Um, not anything particularly, but you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Jack Loves TV. Um, I've also been on several of the best TV shows of whatever year. Um, oh yeah, the all the list cast, the list cast so episodes. Check me out on there. I'm yeah. also on that. I'll link to all of that in the show notes and the uh, the Glee episode of Pretty Scary, which was also yeah. very fun. I mean, the documentary fucking sucks, but oh, it's awful. So don't bad. watch it. Um, <laughs> it's actually kind of the documentary that gave me the idea for this podcast. Amazing! It's so Amazing. so bad. I don't know when exactly this is coming out, so I don't know. I don't have anything to plug. Let's get out of here. Jack, say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. Sometimes during Christmas, something magical happens. Hey, Cricket customers. The Max with Ads plan is included with the Cricket $60 Unlimited plan at no additional cost. And this holiday season, Max is the one to watch when you're feeling festive. Son of a nutcracker. Cozy up to all the holiday classics like Elf, 8-Bit Christmas, and the Harry Potter 8 Film Collection. Just log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. Phone plans, streams, and standard definition programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See CricketWireless.com for details. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. I'm Margot Robbie, and I play Bobby. And I'm Ryan Gosling, and I play Ken. Max is now the exclusive streaming home of Barbie. So cool. And the Max with Ads plan is included with your Cricket $60 Unlimited plan at no additional cost. Log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. This is the best day ever. It is the best day ever. Don't miss Barbie, now streaming on Max. Phone plan streams in standard definition. Programming subject to change. These terms and restrictions apply. See CricketWireless.com for details.